0: Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different great varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. I'm with um, Mark Middlebrook um, of Porto Vino, an importer of Italian wine, some unusual wines, and I invited him to interview because he recently put together a... Um, Box of samples of seven wines from Sardinia, and I found them absolutely fantastic, fascinating, and compelling as well because they're so unusual and so diverse. And I really wanted to talk about Sardinia, that's going to be the focus of this interview because it's an island in the middle of the Mediterranean which has lots of history but whose wine culture has kind of been lost internationally. It's not too well known about, maybe because the wines weren't always as good as they could have been, but it feels like quality is getting much higher. So to taste through these wines really proved the history of Sardinia and the diversity of Sardinia and that the quality of wines um, is really good and rising. So I really wanted to explore um, the large Mediterranean island. Before we do that, Mark, could you just introduce yourself, your background and what makes you interested in the wine? I'd be glad to. Thank
1: you for having me on, Matthew. I got involved professionally in wine in 2001, working in my local wine shop here in Oakland, California. Um, And at that time, I knew nearly nothing about uh, Italian wine. I knew I knew a little bit about Chianti and Prosecco, and that was uh, that was perhaps the size of it. Uh, but I'd been exploring wines of uh, of Europe, particularly Spain and France, for a number of years um, as as a hobby, really. Um, and once I started working in this wine shop, Paul Marcus Wines, um, one of the focuses certainly specialties of the store is Italian wine, and so I realized I had a lot of learning to do. So I went to Italy, specifically Piemonte for the first time in 2002, and that really. Trip, that trip changed my life and, and made me passionate about Italian wine, Piemontese one in particular, but other regions of Italy. And since then, since almost t- uh, 20 years now since that time, uh, 19 years since my first trip to Italy, um, I've been exploring all the regions of Italy, including Sardinia. And in 2012, uh, I joined Portovino, which my friend and colleague uh, Ernest Ifkovitz started in 2008. So, uh, as you mentioned, we are an importer of Italian wines, all Italian wines, and we're a national importer, so our wines are in many of the states, the United States, uh, and I currently um, ride herd on California here. I help our distributors here uh, with the wines, including sending around samples such as the group that you tasted, Uh, visit accounts when it's safe to do so. Uh, travel down to L.A. and uh, occasionally up to the northwest coast and things like that. Um, but really, Italy, much as I love wines from all over the world, uh, Italy has become my, my first love, for sure. And there's so much to discover um, in each of the regions. It's it's a truism of platitude, almost, that uh, Europe is a regional place. France is regional. Spain is regional. Each country is regional. But um, Italy is hyper-regional. It's easy to forget that Italy... Um, became a unified country only in 1861, so it's younger than the United States. And each region has, its obviously, its food specialties, its grape varieties, its wine, particular types of wines, uh, in many cases its own dialect, which uh, in the case of Sardinia, Sicily, and Piedmont, and many other regions, is actually a different language, not, not, not what we would call a dialect. So there are very strong regional differences, and part of the joy for me of Italian wine is to explore those uh, through time and through wine.
0: Absolutely. Italy is a country that you'll never fully understand. There's so much diversity and contradictions and just in the great varieties, having so many different names and never been quite sure if they're the same or not. And that's true of Sardinia, which I think I kind of think of as own country, really, not really being part of Italy. because It's just so uh, distinct. I remember I've only been to Sardinia once and I'd really like to revisit. Obviously, I have the travel book right now. But even before um, lockdown, I was thinking about Sardinia because I really went once and it's just kind of a superficial visit. It only touched the surface. And that's why I'm really interested to learn more about Sardinia in this conversation. But the impression I got from Sardinia is that it's incre- incredibly remote, quite rustic, rugged, and um, it really is like going back in time and in a good way. You really feel like you're, re- you're visiting history or you're living through that history. And, and it has, it also has a very Mediterranean culture as well. That's why I kind of think of it not being Italian, but part of that set of Mediterranean islands like Corsica, which is right next to Sicily and the Balearic Islands, and even going all the way to Madeira in the Atlantic Ocean, there's kind of a shared Mediterranean um, Atlantic culture in those islands. So um, how would you summarise Sardinia and its wine culture? Well, I think you put it really
1: well. It's—I've uh, uh, visited most of the regions of Italy, and, I, and for me, it's—and other people said this—it's the—it's the wildest, most rustic region of Italy. People often compare it to uh, Sicily, um, which is obviously another big island in the middle of the Mediterranean. But they're really different. Sicily is much more, much more outward region. It's much more coastal in terms of the population and the cuisines. Um, uh, Sardinia is more is more insular uh, in in various senses of that word. Uh, a lot of the history of Sardinia is people moving inland to avoid attack and uh, and malaria, I've read. <laughs> so it's it's even though it's an island, uh, and certainly you can get very good seafood there. It's it's more of a an uh, an inland culture where people eat a lot of meat, a lot of roasted pig and stuff like that. Obviously, Sardinian cheese is famous. Um, it doesn't have the feel of an island culture certainly as much as uh, sicily does and as you say it feels it has this feel of being back still back in time um a lot of the wineries probably most of the wineries in sardinia were started after world war ii in the 19 late 1940s 50s and then after that uh so even though there's like all of the like all the mediterranean there's an ancient culture of wine there the the kind of the current culture of wine is still pretty new and still being still being developed
0: Right, and that's the kind of the impression I got from the wines we tasted here. There's a lot of history to them, but there's also a lot of kind of modern, contemporary, actually understanding the international scene now, as Sardinia is becoming part of it. And it's interesting that you say that Sardinia is quite insular, and that's kind of the impression I got, that it's kind of looking outwards, but looking inwards at the same time. And I do feel that it looks more towards the west than it does towards the east. Maybe that's just where I was visiting, but that Catalan influence and um, Mediterranean influence rather than an influence from Italy. Um, so let's talk about Vermentino, because I think that's a good entry point into Sardinia. Um, so Vermentino, I wrote a post about Vermentino recently, and how it is this kind of Mediterranean grape variety, because it's planted in Corsica, Provence, Piemonte, Liguria, as well as Sardinia. So you kind of draw a circle around where Vermentino is planted, and you kind of understand that Mediterranean culture. And it is a grape which thrives near the coast. Uh, so how is Vermentino and Sardinia particularly distinct? Um,
1: I find the wines in general to be a bit richer, more structured, um, more full-bodied, uh, more generous at times um, than the certainly than the examples in Liguria um, or the northwest coast of Tuscany, um, and particularly up north in Galora. There's there's the the, the most famous uh, appellation is Armentino di Galora, which is on the northern north northern northeastern coast of Sardinia, and there the wines really can have be powerful and big, and and at times fairly high in alcohol as well. Whereas uh, certainly in Lagoria, uh, you would find wines that are more lithe and and fresh and light and uh, you know m- more uh, just just more easygoing in a certain way and light in body. But it's important to understand that Vermentino is certainly not limited to Galora, Galora even though that's the one DOCG and again the more famous part. Um, But is grown all around the island and it really is the white wine of Sardinia. If you're, uh, you know, if you go into a wine bar or, or people's homes and are offered a glass of wine and don't specify it and it's white, 98% of the time probably it's going to be Vermentino. So it is their, their workhorse white. And, and it makes wines, good wines at every level from everyday coiffers to serious age worthy wines and grapes that are like that have always interested me a lot.
0: And so there are two main appellations for Vermentino, the one you mentioned, Vermentino de Galora, and then there's Vermentino de Sardinia. Can you talk about the regionality of Sardinia? How does how do the regions change from north to south, west to east to uh, central?
1: Well we have Galora in the north, um, again, land of Vermentino in particular, <clears throat> and then uh, if you if we go counterclockwise, the northwest sector, particularly the coastal sector, of Sardinia is the land of these really interesting wines aged under floor that we'll talk about later in the podcast, uh, so a completely different tradition and a completely different set of grapes there that we, we can get to, uh, Malvasia di Sardinia and uh, Vernaccio di Oristano. As uh, you move southwest, that's actually part of Sardinia I've not explored, but uh, that is the, uh, in particular, the land of uh, Carignano, it kind of makes the heaviest, richest, most powerful wines, red wines of Sardinia, uh, keep moving s- to the southern coast, uh, to the area in Cagliari, the city of Cagliari, and um, there you find a fair amount of um, monica and other kind of oddball grapes, if you will, as well as plenty of Cananao. Cananao is grown all over the island. Continuing from the southern tip, uh, moving up to the kind of southeastern, south-central uh, part of Sardinia, where do Alberto Loy is located, we'll talk about them, him in a moment, um, is uh, particularly right along the, the mid coast there on the eastern side is really the, the beating heart of Cannonau land. That's, that's where uh, people historically have said the best Cannonau comes from, but again, there's Monaca, there's Vermentino, there's a little bit of everything, um, and then completing the circuit, we're back up in Galura on the, the north side of the island.
0: So, kind of confirming that Sardinia is its own country because there's a lot of um, diversity there and a lot of lot of regions. <laughs> exactly, but it's all coastal regions that you're yep. mentioning. So, the coast is of the sea is an important influence.
1: Yeah, I have not explored the the inland very much. We did when we visited there in to, February 2016. We uh, we actually started in the northwest coast, so the area of the wines aged under floor of, of Columbu and Carta first, and then we drove literally across bisected the island, drove across the midsection of the island, which is a, which is a mountain range, uh, drove over there to get to, uh, Cardedu on the eastern coast. And, and there was a lot of, of the, what they call maquia, a lot of the scrub, the Mediterranean scrub and mountains and rocks. I didn't see a lot of vineyards in the, in the inland part. I'm sure there are some, but I think that is less, less planted and these days probably less inhabited. Again, historically, uh, at least what you read is that people tended to move inland to be protected from sea marauders and and, and the malaria in the swamps near the coast, but I think you know now that the the coast has been built out and of course it 's important to to be reminded to remind ourselves that Sardinia is is a really important tourist island for Europeans for Italians and others coming uh, the northern coast in particular is built out with you know pretty pretty fancy hotels and but all around the area all around the island, excuse me are you know beach towns and places where people go particularly in the august vacations to uh, just lie on the beach and drink Vermentino and, uh, and Cannonao in the evening.
0: I look forward to being able to do that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Just continuing with Vermentino a little bit, one of the wines that you gave me was a Skin Contact wine by the Cardedou producer. It's, and that was made with Vermentino and Nasco, a great variety I know nothing about, and Cannonao, which is Grenache. Is Skin Contact a common thing in Sardinia or is this a complete outlier? It's not, in
1: my experience, it's not that common now, um, and I don't honestly don't know the history of whether whether it was more common, say, uh, around the war or before the Second World War. Um, we started. That's a fairly new wine for us and for uh, for Gardetti, for the producer. We have been. Uh, we started actually with the producer in two thousand fourteen or fifteen with the. The regular Vermentino, so 100% varietal Vermentino. And that wine also has a, uh, you know, a few hours, maybe six or seven hours of time on the skin. So even that is a, a very light skin contact and unfiltered wine. And Sergio Loy, the proprietor of, uh, Du, told us, so that was, that was kind of the old style of, uh, Vermentino that they used to drink back in the day. Uh, so a little bit of skin t- contact, unfiltered. Um, they call the wine, and we call the wine Nuo and you with an accent, Grave, uh, O, which in Sardinian means naked. So the idea is that the wine is, you know, kind of un- un- unmanipulated the way, the old-fashioned way of drinking it. So there is this tradition, at least, of light skin ton- contact. Of a more serious skin ton- contact wine, like the Buche wine that you mentioned, uh, that has two to three days of skin contact for the white varieties, Vermentino and Nasco, and then just a few hours for the Canna because obviously we're not he's not trying to pick up. Uh, color or make it into a rosé. So uh, I have honestly never tasted another wine like that from Sardinia. I haven't tasted every Sardinian wine, but that seems uh, like a fairly distinctive uh, representation of a, of a uh, Sardinian quote-unquote white wine or orange wine, Macerato, as they say in Italian.
0: Yeah, well, excitingly, my sales rep emailed me this morning to say that it's just landed in California. I'm looking forward to getting that wine in because I really enjoyed it. And it's just had that real freshness to the wine, but nice spicy richness to it as well. So just that perfect balance between getting that flavour from the skin contact, but not losing the freshness of the wine. And then another great variety that I knew nothing about is Monica, which you have written as the second most widely planted black variety in, Cal- in uh, Sardinia. Tell me about Monica.
1: Well, uh, I like to call it the other red variety of Sardinia because of, because, of course, Sardinia is famous for Cananao above all, and and that is the most widely planted uh, red grape, probably the most widely planted grape in Sardinia. And as you noted, Can- Cananao is the uh, Sardinian version of Grenache or Garnacha, if you want to say it in Spanish. Uh there are fierce arguments between the Sardinians and the Spaniards about where it came from and got to, but in any event it's been it's certainly been the island for a long time. Sardinia was ruled from the fourteenth to the eighteenth century by Spain, or really by the Kingdom of Aragon, north northeast Spain. And so as you've noted before, there's lots of Spanish influence uh historically in on the island, uh, including the grape varieties and including the language, a lot of Sardinian uh has loan words, and uh, I don't know about the grammar, but a lot of loan words from uh, from from Catalan, Catalan Valenciano. Anyway, so Monica um, is seems to be a distinctive variety. I don't know the history of where it might have come from, but uh, it's been around there for a long time. Historically, it was planted more in the southern half of the island, but it's it's worked its way up north, and it's um, you find a lot of it there. It's interesting. This is one of those situations where the the picture on the ground in the in the in the region of origin, Sardinia, is quite different than it is here in an export market like the United States. We find lots of Cannellao, lots of Vermentino, almost no Monica. In Sardinia, certainly there's more Cannellao and Vermentino, but there's quite a lot of Monica, and it's uh, it's often considered the you know the lighter the the red wine for people who want to drink lighter red wines. Uh, people it seems like Sardinians do really enjoy these hearty, rich, even high alcohol uh, higher alcohol red wines. Bigger, richer now, uh, particularly with their you know, their roast pig and their other full, full-on meat uh, dishes. But um, there's obviously st- also a market for people who want a lighter red, either as an aperitivo or to have with lighter dishes, maybe even with seafood. And Monica, in my view, is a really cool variety, and it's got this light freshness. You can chill it down a little bit. It's light, certainly a lot lighter in color than Garnacha or, or uh, Cananao. But it also has this little tannic clang um, that you often don't get in a, in a lighter bodied red. You know, you, you look at the color of Monica, or I look at the color of Monica and I think, oh, that's going to be maybe like Beaujolais or Pinot Donis or something light and fresh and, 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 pretty gentle. But there's always this little, little tweak of tannin, uh, at least in Cardedo's Monica that I love and, and it provides that little extra surprise in the wine. And yet it's not so strong that you can't, again, have it as an aperitivo or have it with some lighter dishes where you don't you don't want full on heavy
0: tannin. Right. And the alcohol in this wine was 12.5 percent. So just confirming that lighter body that you're talking about. And you um, keep mentioning it. So let's get to it. Cannonau, which is the same as Grenache or Garnacha. How is Cannonau different from Spanish Garnacha or Grenache in France?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know the genetic details, but, uh, Ian Dagata in his, his two books about, um, Italian varieties talks about it as a, sp- a different biotype or different clone of, uh, of Grenache and Garnacha, And that's, that's of course what we would expect it having come over, I don't know how long ago, but certainly many hundreds of years ago. And you tend to get, um, some diversity as the, as the plants find their way in, in this new country. As, as you know, uh, Grenache, Garnaccia kind of now, Tends to give pretty high, pretty high alcohols, pretty rich wines, a, a kind of a, a cherry, kirsch note to it. Um, I find many of the ones from uh, from Sardinia have a bit of that, but also have a darker fruit character, a, kind of a black fruit, a, a more a more kind of tar and sometimes smoky, chocolatey note. Um, what what <laughs> one of my portovino colleagues calls calls uh, cowboy flavors, that kind of leather and and uh tobacco and those those sort of things i find in, in many of them they can be very high in alcohol i, I remember when ernest fiskovitz again the founder and um, proprietor portovino and i were at, in italy several some years ago and we're trying to get more of a bead on uh, sardinia this is before we imported any of these producers uh we went and tasted in the, the in italy is divided into pavilions uh, which are devoted to specific regions so we went to the sardinian pavilion and tasted i don't know you know Many dozens of different wines, and particularly the reds were all really heavy—14 and a half, 15, 15 and a half percent. It was—we uh, hadn't quite discovered Monica then. It was hard to hard to find wines that didn't have that richness. So that can be for me a little bit of a problem with some wines. Sardinia is a warm place. It's you know it's a Mediterranean island. It gets a lot of sun. It depends a lot on where you are exactly in the island. Uh, the the Diurnal temperature shifts and so on in coastal areas, of course, tend to have breezes and all that sort of stuff. But nonetheless, it's a place that that um, that can give you really high alcohols and high extra, and 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 you add high extraction to that, and you can get some pretty pretty bruising wines. So we're always looking for wines that have a little more freshness, even even the big wines, uh, more drinkability, lower alcohol. I believe the Car- the Kenanau from Du in two thousand sixteen is fourteen percent. So that's not light, but it's by Sardinian standards, it's on the lighter lighter end of the spectrum. Yeah, and
0: that's what you expect from Grenache in general, is alcohol on the higher um, side, because it is a warm climate, grape variety, so as long as that alcohol is balanced, and I really enjoyed this wine uh, from uh, Carderu, because it had that real nice fruitiness to it, and ripeness, but it wasn't overly ripe, it wasn't overly extracted, and it did remind me a little bit of Zinfandel, a really good Zinfandel, and that kind of Leathery, tobacco, spicy quality that you're talking about um, just kind of reminded me me of that. That cowboy label I quite like that kind of description. And it's really exciting to taste the kind of now as good as this because, like you say, I've tasted when I taste Sardinian wine, I'm sometimes disappointed because they're just too big and lacking structure and balance. And just going through these Sardinian wines, there was that kind of intensity and concentration and interest to them, uh, but which was still very kind of reminiscent of this Mediterranean kind of a uh, rugged island. So let's go to the wines aged under, under floor, which um, are like sherry, but they're not like sherry. And these were the two wines which really kind of uh, blew my mind. And I'd read about these wines before, but never actually tasted them. So it was amazing to try them. And um, I was reading about them last night in, in De Gata's book, Native Wine Grapes of Italy. And he describes them as some of the greatest wines of Italy, if not the, the greatest wines of Italy. They're pretty astonishing. So, what the, what are they? So, it's Venaccia di Orestano and Mal, Malvasia di Boza. So, let's start with the Venaccia di Oristano Reserva, which is from two thousand and five. And my tasting notes simply said, like like in a less heat. So, there is that um, overlap with sherry, but the reason there's less heat is because it's not fortified. Right. I think that's a good description. Yeah. Um,
1: Oristano is a is a town, a small city, large village, large town. On the western coast of Sardinia, right right around the midpoint. So again, kind of if you drew a line bisecting Sardinia from Cardedu in the east, a little bit west, you would get to Oristano, and Silvio Cartes, an historic producer uh, located on the edge of town there, as well as well as are the vineyards. Um, and there's an old tradition there, as well as north and Boza, that we'll talk about in a moment, of uh, aging wines under floor. And I I've I've searched a little bit and have not found the magic document that sort of explains how this technique, I mean, we would kind of assume it came from Spain, but I haven't seen the the documentation for that. In any event, there's an old tradition of aging wines under floor, but there are significant differences, as you mentioned, um, in the techniques they use. So in the case of Silvio Carta, or Elio really is is the son who's taken over and been running things for a number of decades, uh, they ferment the wines in stainless steel or fiberglass tanks and then they rack them into individual eight hectoliter or eight hundred liter barrels. So these are about three sizes, the time size of three times the size of a barrique that you would see in Bordeaux or Napa or wherever. So they're relatively large, but not you know not room size large. And they're they're ancient. They're old chestnut barrels. Chestnut trees grow on the island of Sardinia, and they're typically seventy to ninety years old. Some of them are one hundred and fifty years old. So they're 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 old, old, old. And um, when they rack the wine from the fermenting vessel into these 800-liter barrels, uh, they fill them up about two-thirds of the way. So you've got about 600 liters of wine in an 800-liter barrel. And uh, as a result, as, as is true in, in, in Hedes or in other places, um, in, in the Jura, uh, a layer of flour or yeast forms on top, uh, acting as a kind of protective blanket to the wine so that it doesn't, doesn't oxidize quickly and um then they leave the wine in the barrel for anywhere from a year for the the base wine the everyday wine to 10 20 40 in some cases 50 years old uh 50 years in the barrel um and then draw it out when they think it's ready they and then they're continually tasting these barrels it's very interesting we went there to taste again in february 2016. Uh, they had these barrels just in racks and there were. Easily a couple hundred of them. And uh, Ellie was explaining to us that depending on where the barrel is in the rack and where the rack is in the room, you get different microclimates for the barrel. So the floor might be thicker or thinner or uh, different flavors develop in each barrel. And so they're continually tasting them, deciding uh, to designate this one as a reserva and put it, keep it in longer, designate this one as for the baseline and so on. And so it's quite a, quite a kind of high wire act of uh, keeping all these barrels, uh, you know, going and tasting them regularly and deciding how to use them. The other, so um, single barrels uh, in, if they're, if it's a, one of the reservas, they would blend several barrels to make that, that year's Reserva. It is not a Solera system. As I understand it, there are some producers in Oristano who do Solera, but Silvio Carta does not. Uh, and the other really important difference that you mentioned is they're not fortified. So all, all the alcohol is natural.
0: So how does the alcohol get so high? Because this one is 16.5%.
1: Partly it's just evaporation. Even though the floor is on top of the wine, it's, uh, you know, the, in Spain they call it biological aging. It's a protected aging uh, rather than a fully oxidative aging. But obviously there is some air transfer. And so some of the wines simply evaporate. I read in Ian Doggett's book, the other book, the, um, the one about uh, wine terroirs, that the floor actually consumes some of the alcohol, which I did not know before. And that's the first time I... That claim. So it's something, something having to do with the, the, the long time in the barrel, especially for the reservas, which allows some of the wine to evaporate, and apparently the action of the floor also tends to uh, t- tends to do something to the alcohol that increases it.
0: Because I know in sherry, with the phenol, they fortify it to about 15.5 percent and allow the the alcohol to evaporate to 15 percent. So that floor does a lot of things, which maybe aren't fully understood, but produce amazing results. And um, in in Dagata's book, he describes um, these wines as having aromas of hazelnut, almond, orange rind, herbs, white chocolate, and faded flowers, which we thought was a very uh, poetic description.
1: You haven't had a chance to taste it, but they also um, Silvio Carta makes a uh, a vermouth out of their their Vernaccia di Oristano Reserva, which is very
0: interesting and quite different than any other vermouth. That sounds amazing.
1: When we get it back in, I'll send you a bottle.
0: Um, so that's been actually the Oristano. Just to talk about the grape variety. Uh, vernaccia is used all around italy and simply means local grape is there anything particular about the vernaccia of um aristano
1: i know it's a it, it's a grape that accumulates a lot of sugars and it's fairly prolific um i have not honestly other well I have, obviously i've tasted it out of the barrel but I haven't, you know, they typically bottle it with at least a year, for the base wine, bottle it with at least a year of aging in the in the barrel under floor. So I've not tasted an example that was not aged under floor, so I, I can't give you a reading on what, what it might taste like as a white wine by itself. I would imagine that perhaps like Palomino, it makes a less interesting ordinary table wine and that that's why they uh, they move towards this technique of, of aging it under floor. But that's, that's about what I know of, Renata, other than what you said, that it's, it has nothing to do with the grape uh, in um, in Tuscany. It's it's just a name that comes from Latin for local their local grape variety.
0: Well, that's what we want with these styles of wine sometimes it's more neutrality, so you allow the aging process to kind of really shine. But what about Malvasia di Boza?
1: Yeah, Boza is another small city, large town um, on the west coast of Sardinia. It's about sixty kilometers north of Oristano, so we're getting near the northwest corner of the island. Uh, it's a beautiful, one of those beautiful old crumbling cities. Um, we arrived there at night and just walked around and it was kind of one of those magical, magical Italian evenings. And it's similar tradition of aging wines under floor, but a completely different variety. So the variety there is one of the Malvasias. And, uh, um, you know, nod of the, tip of the hat, nod of the head to Ian Dagata here, who always points out that Malvasia is not a grape variety. It's a family of varieties. There's 17 different Malvasias. Of which one is Malvasia di Sardegna. So that's the name of the grape, Malvasia di Sardegna. Uh, it is apparently the same as or very closely related to Malvasia, uh, della Lipa, uh, Lipari, um, island in, in, um, off the coast of, um, Sicily. So it's definitely a Mediterranean grape and it's one, certainly one of the noble white varieties of, uh, of, of Italy. It, if perhaps unlike uh, Vernaccia, the Oristano certainly is a grape that makes good regular table wines without, without uh, floor, but it uh, also works very well with this technique. So in the case of um, Columbu, uh it's a vaguely similar process to what Silvio Carta does with or, with uh, Vernaccia di Oristano, that is um, um, aging first and then racking into ch- old chestnut barrels. Their barrels are from 500 to 800 liters, so a little bit smaller, to about the same size as the Silvio Carta, and um, there, Malvasia di Boza, and that's the DOC or the Appalachian for the for the wine, is aged about three years in barrels and then uh, put into bottle
0: and released. Yeah, so Malvasia is, uh, is a minefield, as you say, because there are so many variants of Malvasia, and they're all quite distinct, even though they have the same name, but very um, historic and related to all these Mediterranean islands, Italy, Greece, Sicily, and also going into Madeira as well, where malvasia Candida is planted. So how traditional are these wines? I mean, obviously they're for traditional, but are we going back kind of hundreds of years of history, or is it something that's emerged in the 19th and 20th centuries, or something that's been revived recently?
1: That's a good question, and I, I don't have a, a really solid answer for you. I, I know a little bit about the history of um, Cardedu, and... Um, it was um, so the current proprietor of Cardedu, uh, Cardedu I'm sorry, of um, Colombo. The current proprietor is John Michele and his uh, wife Vanna. And John um, Michele's father, who was John Battista, started the winery and really was the, the, the motor in that region for reviving and valorizing, as they like to say in Italy, uh, these wines aged tr- under floors. So it's certainly. It's certainly not more than, it's certainly more than decades old, but, and I would imagine it's hundreds of years old, but I haven't read up on the history of it or, or even found something that, that describes it well. Giovanni Battista started the estate around 1950, and, uh, he really, he was a teacher, and besides, uh, banding together the producers, the growers to, to make these and, and to promote these kinds of wines, he worked on literacy and all kinds of things to really help the local people. So it was, it was kind of a social project as well as a business project. Um, but I don't know how far back beyond that it goes, to be honest.
0: But uh, a relatively recent revival because these are wines which I assume are not easy to sell, however good they are. And I think it's great that uh, Portovino are importing them so that people can explore these wines. And um, this one's a bit more expensive, about $70, $75, whereas the Venaccia is um, about $35 retail, which is actually an extremely good price for a wine of that quality from 2005. And it's also great that these producers maintain these traditions because there's a lot of really good wine out there, but it's quite homogenous. And so it's really good that there's interesting, distinctive wines based on local tradition. I like the idea that you just said the wine is made for social and community purposes as much as it was for Venice purposes. So I think that's really important. Wine is an integral part of local communities here in California as well as in places like Sardinia. So I definitely recommend uh, people trying these wines. They're really uh, kind of eye-opening and mind-blowing because they're so different and you have a kind of connection with cherry but they're very distinctive. And it's interesting that they're both aged in chestnut barrels as well. I assume that's, again, that part of that local tradition because they're planted all around the island. Yeah. Okay, so thank you for joining me, Mark. It's a nice tour around Sardinia. My pleasure. Almost makes me think I'm there now, but uh, not quite. It's definitely a place i want to revisit and really explore these wines in person and it's great that sardinia is really getting out there and getting the quality uh, back where it should be
1: well thank you for helping to promote them and uh, like you i can't wait till we can go back and, and explore more and learn more of the history of the area